0: And happy Father's Day to all of you dads. By the way, didn't you enjoy the Father's Day video a few minutes ago? I'm always so amazed how that some of our technical experts who are used to being behind the camera, how good they are in front of the camera. Let's give it up for Luke and Grace Whitmire this morning. <laughs> For those of you who might not have recognized, Luke is the guy on the Steadicam coming around. He is head of all of our camera ministry here at NewSpring. Tremendous, tremendous guy. Came from shooting for Fox Network and shooting Super Bowls and uh, just felt the call of God to come join the Dream Team here at NewSpring. And I know that a lot of you may not know who I'm about to talk about, but uh, Luke's dad is one of my heroes. Uh, for any of you who know the name Adrian Rogers who I always thought was America's greatest pastor of the 20th century. His dad was Adrian's right-hand man for 40, 40 years plus. He was the worship pastor. Uh, Actually, before uh, Adrian went to uh, Bellevue back when he was at Merritt Island. And so for any of you who ever had the privilege to go to any of the incredible uh, performances that Bellevue did for Christmas or Fourth of July uh, or or any of their things, that's Luke's dad, uh, Jim Whitmire. So isn't it great how God continues generationally to call people to come and serve him? We're so delighted to have Luke and Grace and their kids at New Spring. Okay. For any of you who may be here for the first time, this is a really different kind of message I normally bring. And I guess I'm a little insecure about that. Uh, But uh, let me just tell you where we are. I mean, first of all, it's different in the sense that I don't normally preach part one and part two. uh, Which means basically I got to halfway through the message last week and we had to pull over the side of the road. and and wait for this week. So because of that, I'm going to go back and actually review a little bit in case uh, some of you didn't get to be in the service last weekend. And I rarely ever use time to review, but just please give me that latitude because it'll be worth it when we get through today. And then, you know, I hope that I always uh, keep your attention, but today's talk, I don't think we'll have any, any entertaining aspects. I mean, I always hope that when I stand before you add value to your life, whether you're a committed Christ follower or you're, you know, just a new, new, you're a new follower of Christ, or even if you're not there yet, I just hope that something in the message will always add value to your life. But today's talk is much more like a how-to video. You know, when you, when you watch a how-to video, uh, it's pretty much information, but you, you watch it because you want to know how to do something important. So today's talk is, is in that vein. It is, it's very much like a how-to video. It's a lot of information. But uh, I will tell you this, the reason why I I believe it's worth us spending our time, as I told you last week, when we get through with this talk today, you will understand perhaps the biggest question in your life, and then you'll know what to do about it. And I want to also say today, if you're here and you're not sure you're ready to be a Christ follower yet... this message is mostly going to be targeted to people who are already Christ followers, but hey, file this information away. You may decide to accept Jesus Christ, and then you'll be, you'll be, ahead, of the rest, you'll be ahead of the game. You'll be ahead of, head of the rest of us in our experience. Okay, here's the question that we've been wrestling with. Why do I feel like two different people sometimes? You know, I think it's our nature, and especially in the cancel culture, <laughs> it's the nature to say, of our culture to say, well, this is a good person, this is a bad person. And we used to think this was a good person, but now because of something he said or she said or something they did, they're a bad person. We can write them off now. Well, there are so many things that jumped to my mind at that point. First of all, who, who of us could stand that kind of scrutiny? I mean, if, if, if someone's going to look at every word we've said, everything we've ever done, or more than that, every thought we've ever had, I mean, who among us could be good in that context? I really believe what I said last week. I think all of us feel like two different people sometimes. And the reason why we're talking about that this week is I think many times we feel like two different people, but we kind of hide that secret life. And we feel like we're kind of the only one who has that problem. And because of that, we don't talk about it very much. And one of the reasons why a lot of churches don't talk about it is sort of the presumption in religion that you're there because you're a good person. And so we, we, we cover it up all the more. But but New Spring is a safe place. It's a safe church. So we're going to just tackle it. And could I just say to you, everybody feels like two different people sometimes. And last week, we didn't get into how to win, but we we got into understanding it and and we got into connecting the dots. And every time I use that expression, I think everybody under 40 is like, I know I've heard that. What does that mean? (laughs) So let let a baby boomer tell you where that came from. When we were kids, we not only got coloring books, we, we got some coloring books that were connect the dots kind of. I mean, here's the thing. All you saw was dots and a little number beside the dot. And what happened is you would start with one and you would go to two and three and draw the line. And by the time you got through, there was a picture and then you color that picture. So, again, for a lot of you who are under forties like, I always wonder where that came from. I always talk, you know, my boss talking about connecting the dots. Well, that's where it came from. Well, the reason why I talked about connecting the dots, and by the way, it's interesting. I talked to a guy who's an HR genius. He was, he, he now has his own consulting company, but he was, he was HR genius for one of America's largest banks, and then for one of his manuf- for America one of America's manufacturing companies, New Springer, and been a close friend of mine for many years. And we were talking about uh, why leaders make it and why leaders don't make it. And I remember one day we were at lunch, and he said. You know, Mark, he said, more and more I think about the fact that the reason who people don't make it is they can't connect the dots. And because they can't connect the dots, I mean, all the information is there. All of what they need to know is there, but they never get the picture. They never draw the picture and see how all the dots fit together. So last week, we connected four dots. And, and, we, and as I said at the beginning of the message, you got all those dots, but we connected them. And we, we, we connected them in the context of asking the question, why do I feel like two different people sometimes? Dot number one, we inherited from Adam and Eve a nature, a force within us that's predisposed to doing wrong. There is this moral gravity that pulls us to the wrong thing. And as I said last week, we all had that. We inherited it at birth and nobody had to teach us how to lie. Nobody had to teach us to, uh, you know, to get angry when things didn't go our way. I mean, we we came preloaded with that software. And what we see is the Bible calls it a nature, or it may call it a force, and the term that the Bible uses over and over is the flesh. The Bible talks about that old nature that we got being the flesh, and every single one of us has it. And and as we saw last week, even those of us who have accepted Christ, we still have it. You know, the thing about it is, just being real before you, there is a part of me that's as dark as if I never knew Jesus Christ. It's not, when you accept Christ, it's not like that part gets better. It's, it's going to get stronger or weaker, but the thing of it is, there's a part of me that's as dark as if I had never known Jesus Christ. And we all have that. Well, because we all have that, and we're going to have it as long as we live, dot number two is, everybody's got an inner conflict. Even people who have never accepted Christ, even people who... Don't even care much about spiritual things. We all have that inner conflict. You could be here today and say, "Mark, I'm an agnostic. I don't know if I believe in God or not," but I know one thing about you. I know you have an inner conflict because you have something that the Bible calls a conscience. There is something within you that tells you that what you have done or maybe about to do is wrong. It's strange. You may have. You may come from a pure Darwinian perspective, which means you wouldn't be able to even ascertained that there is such a thing as good or evil it just it wouldn't be a, a it wouldn't be a workable construct but at the end of the day you know there is something within you that tells you that what you have done might be wrong or what you're about to do might be wrong but the problem with conscience is conscience is underpowered as i shared with you last week and this is my personal belief and you can do with it what you wish but my personal belief is since we were created spiritually alive as i'll talk about in just a moment and when adam and eve sinned that part of them died i think there is that echo effect that tells us that we were once alive spiritually there was once a part of us that was perfectly good but it's no longer there but as i said last week that's that's an echo effect but because it's an echo effect and not a force it's underpowered and the dark side rules in our lives dot number three christians have a much bigger conflict Okay, again, I know I'm throwing a lot of information at you, and if you were here last week, you'd say, Mark, I heard this last week. I get, I get that. We're, we're going to get somewhere with this, trust me. Christians have a much bigger conflict because of what happens when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Never forget, accepting Jesus is not becoming an adherent to a religion. Religion just sort of like tweaks the conscience, which is why religion never works. When you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're not just joining a church. That's, that's, that's way down the line. What happens is some a, a spiritual renewal, a spiritual birth happens. There's part of you that comes alive that was dead. As we said last week, God is Trinity. He created us in his image. We are trinities. Every human being was meant to be a trinity. Body, soul, and spirit. Body, we know what that is. Soul, that's your intellect. That's your psychological person, your personality. That's your mind. I mean, it's broader than that. It's really mind, emotion, and will. But your soul is that part of you that's intellectual. In fact, the Greek word for soul is psyche. We got a word psyche from that. But the spirit is interesting because that, that third part of us is that part of us that is that allows us to communicate with God and allows God to communicate with us. It is the part, it, as I said last week, it's the apparatus for communication with God. When Adam and Eve sinned, you remember God said, the day you, you eat of the fruit, you're, you're going to die. And we know they didn't die physically. Remember, death means separation, it doesn't mean the cessation of existence. They didn't die physically, they didn't die psychologically, but they died spiritually. That part of them that allowed them to communicate with God and allowed God to communicate with them died. And when you and I were born into this world, we were born, and unlike love said, two out of three is bad because we were born with body and mind alive, but spiritually dead. What happens when you accept Christ? bam, you become spiritually alive. God's Holy Spirit moves inside of you. And like I said last week, there's a part of me that's as dark as if I'd never known God, but there is a part of me that's as pure and holy as God because it is God. There is a part of us that comes alive and suddenly we are now now a trinity again. I don't mean Trinity in the sense of God, like God, but I mean we're three-parted again, and that part of us is alive. And here's the thing. When that part of you comes alive, you're no longer underpowered. You're not just relying on a conscience that can be tweaked or, as the Bible says, blunted. There is the power of God inside of you, and you're no longer underpowered. Now, that raises a problem. And that's number four. That's the fourth dot that we looked at, which is we should never be surprised at the intensity of the battle. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a head-button battle going on in your life every day. Because that old nature is still there, and then the nature of God is there. And it's not like a conscience with a faint echo and whisper saying, what you're doing might be wrong. Now you have the Holy Spirit of God saying, this is not what we were designed for. This is not what we were, this is not what God made us alive for. Well, unfortunately, though, it's still our default. It's still still our old operating system. And because of that, there is an intense battle that's going on. Now, the reason why I'm taking two weeks with this is I really think there are a lot of people who have invited Jesus Christ into their life, but they have a really, really bad day, or they may have a really bad season, or they may get into a habit that they just cannot beat. And then they can start saying, I wonder if God, really, if God really saved me. And at that point, all kinds of bad things can happen. I mean, you may still go to worship, but you feel like, wow, everybody else, everybody else is experiencing something, but I'm not experiencing it. Maybe I just never was. Maybe nothing ever really happened to me. See, I want you to understand that... It's it's different from that. You have a battle going on. you got two forces. I mean, look at what the Bible says. The sinful nature wants to do evil. Evil is a strong word. That's in me. You say, Mark, I mean, you're a pastor of a church. You've been a believer since you're eight years old. Isn't your sinful nature maybe just uh, change? No, no. My sinful nature is as ugly and wicked as it ever has been. And you know what? In the right circumstances, if I start letting that side of me dominate, there's no t- I, could, I could probably do, I mean, probably can't imagine, but I could do things I could never imagine, which is where some of you might be today. Look at this. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. The spirit gives us desires that are opposite of the sinful nature or what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are, can I get a witness on this? Constantly fighting each other <laughs> like mark there's a lot of the bible i don't understand but i understand that part okay that's where we left it last week let's let's stop right now and just draw a subtotal the life and, and if you're not a christ follower here you know you're like i wonder about you people who claim to be christians and i wonder if you're just all hypocrites okay well there could be some But here's the thing. Just because there's a gap between what we know to be right and how we live doesn't mean mean a person's a hypocrite. It just means we're we're losing. We're getting beat. We've got an L, you know, instead of a W in the column. The life of a Christ follower can be a little schizophrenic. And on the one hand, you have enormous promises. You know, we sang about some of those of you. And on top of that, you know, there's a lyric that we sing at New Spring that I love. And every time we sing this song, I just celebrate this lyric. It says, I am who you say I am. Why is that important to me? Because I don't feel like who God says I am a lot of the time. God says I'm his child. God says I am innocent in his sight because I've been declared innocent. The blood of Jesus Christ has paid for my sins. So in God's sight, I'm totally innocent. I don't feel innocent. I don't always... And the Bible says I am more than a conqueror through, through Christ. I don't always feel like a winner. I feel like a loser a lot of the time. So when we sing that song, I am who you say I am, I love singing that. And how many of us... How many, how many are listening to me right now, and you feel like a failure because you think you are who other people say you are? You, know, you, you, you're, you have people on social media who say things about you, and they say hurtful things... And you're thinking to yourself, maybe that's who I am. No, you're who God says you are. And so, as I say, we can feel a little schizophrenic because on one hand, we have these enormous promises. On the other hand, though, we have this frustrating experience, and it's especially frustrating if we're losing big today, and it can make us feel like a walk in contradiction. Well, as we looked at last week in Romans chapter 7, the greatest Christian who ever lived said this about himself. He said, I really don't understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't. Instead, I do what I hate. And he continues. And let me just go to, that's verse 15. Let me go to verse 24, because this is a strange statement. I'm going to apologize to you before I make it, because it's a really graphic thing that Paul says. But, but I want you to know what the Bible says. Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? Okay, this is ugly. I'll tell you ahead of time. If you have very, very tender sensibilities, you may just want to close your ears right now. Back in Paul's day, there were wicked, despotic rulers. There were barbarian cultures. And what they would do to torture people sometimes is they would bind a corpse to a living person. Back to back. Bind this person. So everywhere the living person went, he walked around with this dead corpse as this corpse decayed. And he had all kinds of problems because of that. Obviously, it was very unpleasant. The smell was horrific. Nobody wanted to be around this person. And beyond that, as that body decayed, the the living person could actually become infected by it. That's a brutal thing, and I'm sorry to have to say that, but I just want you to understand what Paul is saying. He's saying, what a miserable person I am. Who is going to deliver me from this dead body that I'm bound to? But what I love about this, and by the way, never forget this. If you're a Bible student, never forget that the chapter numbers were not put there by the Holy Spirit. They were added about 1,000 years later to help us navigate. Sometimes a chapter break is in the absolute wrong place. No place in the Bible is there a worse placement of a chapter break than at the end of chapter 7 and the beginning of chapter 8. Because in chapter 8, verse 1, Paul reveals to us that it's not a rhetorical question. He's not saying, oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me from the body of this death and throwing up his hands? Chapter 8, verse 1 goes on to say, through Christ Jesus, my Lord, I am there. He said, there's therefore now no condemnation in Jesus Christ. So here's what we do now. We know that even though we have this head-butting battle going on and it's very painful and we feel like losers sometimes, there is a way that we can string wins together. And so for the rest of this message, I'm going to show you how to win. And I, I was, Mary Alice and I were up reading scripture and praying this morning, and I went out on my deck and I just said, Holy Spirit, make, make, make this be in my life. I want to win more. You know, uh, we'll, well, let's just, let's go here. I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you three dots. We're talking about how to win. Let's we'll start here. When you come alive spiritually, when you invited Jesus Christ into your heart and life, you get two powerful forces inside of you to help you win. And this is what the difference between conscience and spiritual life is. Philippians 2.13. For God is working in you, giving you the, hello, desire and the power to do what pleases him. Can we read that again? I mean, because we're we're talking to us. We have this conflict going on. We have this old dark side in us. We also have the spirit of God. Okay, the Bible says when when you get that spirit of God, that spirit of God inside of us gives us two things. It gives us the desire and the power to win. Now, let's talk about the first one for a moment. I don't know where you are spiritually any more than you know where I am spiritually. It's not for us. It's between you and God. I don't know where you are. But you could be listening to the message today, and you're way outside of God's wishes for your life. Or if you grew up in church like I did, you know the term God's will. You know, God has a plan for every one of our lives. And if we start giving into the dark side, we can get way off the road. So it could be that's where you are today. It could be you're in a relationship that you know is not healthy, it's not good, it's not going anywhere, it's hurting you, it's a real problem. You're just you, like, I know better than this, but I got to be with somebody, so that could be the case. But you know in your heart, you're a long way away from God's plan for your life. Or it could be that you've got a habit that's just kicking you around like a football, and you know that's not good. I mean, all of us are some. To some level, we're, we're, we're not in God's perfect plan for our lives, but here's what I do know. If you're a Christ follower, it's driving you crazy because God has put something inside of you. God has put the desire in you to do the right thing. And it's eating you up, right? I mean, And, and I know that feeling because I've been outside of God's plan for my life. Now here's the thing, and this is, this is serious, and, and I know before I say this, that someone could draw this as offensive, but I just have the responsibility to tell you the truth. As pastor of a great church from time to time, I listen to someone who claims to be a Christ follower but wants to defend sin. They they want to say, what I'm doing is okay. Now, one of two things is the case. Number one, either they're not telling me the truth and they know better, but they're just being stubborn. Or number two... That person's never, never really come alive spiritually. Because I mean, here's the thing. I can, either, I can either believe the word of God or I can believe the opposite. And the word of God says that when God comes into your life, he gives you the desire to do the right thing. As soon as you know what God wants you to do, you have a desire to do that. You may not ever do it, but you have a desire to do it. But that's not all. Because not only does God give us the desire to do what pleases him, he gives us the power. For any of us Christ followers who are losing the game big time today, at least just say this. I mean, say this in your heart when you walk out of here. I have the power to overcome. I may not be overcoming, but according to the word of God, I have the power. Because see, here's the thing that I do know about life. And I know this about Satan. One of the biggest lies Satan will tell you is you can't. You, you, You just can't. Other people may win, but you can't. Never believe that. Not if you're God's daughter. Not if you're God's son. Okay, this is corny, dot number two. I know it is before I say it. And again, my baby boomer roots are coming out. So I picked the term kryptonite. I think for every Christ follower, there's kryptonite. And we've already, we just got through looking at their superpower. We know we have the two natures, the dark side and the spirit of God. But now we're going to talk about the way we live. And what we're going to discover is there are certain things that are The works of the dark side that become kryptonite. And then we're going to see that there's superpower that allows us to win. Okay. We're building to something. When we get to number three, we're just going to stop there because it is the secret to winning. Here we go. Just stay with me during this. We need this for number three. Let's talk about kryptonite. The Bible says the effects of the corrupt nature. Or some of you have a translation that says the works of the corrupt nature. So here's what the old nature produces, okay? First 3 are sexual in nature. Illicit sex. So if we're into illicit sex, sex outside of marriage, that is a production of the dark side. Illicit sex, perversion, that would be crooked sex. Abnormal and natural sex. Promiscuity, that's a broad term. That involves more like things like pornography and such. Those are the regurgitations of the flesh. Then, idolatry. Very interesting Greek word. The next one is pharmakia. You can see in our translation it says drug use. Or alcohol abuse. Drug use. And now it turns to relationships. Hatred. Racism. Rivalry. I got be, to beat you. You know, I got I, I to gotta find some way to elbow you out at work. Jealousy. I don't want you to succeed. Makes me feel bad when you win. Selfish ambition, conflict, factions. Hey, all of, I know most of our high schoolers are in high school right now, but um, for all of you who are in high school, this word means clicks. And by the way, I just want you to know they go throughout life. It's not just middle school and high school clicks. Wild party, drunkenness, and then similar things. In other words, the word of God is saying, you get the idea, right? We do. We get it. I mean, we're talking about blue collar sin and white collar sin here. We're talking, we're talking about, you know, bad to the bone sin, and we're talking about religious sin, you know? So the Bible tells us that this, this is the upchucking. That's the regurgitation of the dark side. And so when those things are in our lives, They are kryptonite to the person that God has designed us to be. You know, I've actually talked to a few Christians sometimes, and they're doing something on this list, and they're like, Mark, how dare you tell me I can't do what I'm doing. First of all, I can't. I'm not important at all. You're dealing with God, not me. But here's the thing. Just know, if you're in any of this stuff, it is killing. It is killing the destiny that God has for you. It's kryptonite. Okay. Good news you got superpower. There's stuff you can do in your life that is superpower. It will charge you up. Here we go. In Galatians five, same chapter, but the spiritual nature produces. Now notice that word wasn't in the flesh because the flesh is stuff that we do in the flesh, but see the spiritual nature is God's Holy Spirit living inside of us. And it, it's got life in it. I mean, so consequently, in fact, some of you have a translation that says the fruit of the spirit It says the acts of the flesh, but the fruit of the spirit. This is stuff you can do that will infuse life into you and your family and your circumstances and your friends. Here we go. Okay, watch this list. The spiritual nature produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, I'm going to come back to those, okay? Because now I need to give you the solution. I've been preaching for two weeks to get to this. (laughs) Thank you for staying through. You have to prepare to play the long game. (laughs) We Americans, we're so accustomed to instant response. You know, click on an app, take a pill. We just want instant response. And and if something doesn't work instantly, it's like, I'm not interested in that. But nothing in life that's really worthwhile works that way. I mean, think about education for a moment. <laughs> don't, please don't raise your hand. because how, how many of you in your first semester in college, you're so excited about going to college, you get about mm, six, eight weeks into the first semester, and how many of you are like, man, I got seven more of these to go <laughs> after this one. I don't know if I can do it, right? But, you know, when you're watching a movie, like somebody goes, you know, and then they're going to college just like they start college, and bang, you know, three minutes later, they're graduating. Got the mortarboard and the cap again, and it's like instantly formed. And you're like, that's not how life works. I mean, if you want an education, you can't click. It's going to take some time to get an education. And you have to settle in for the long haul and play the long game. Um, relationships. <laughs> Guys, I know it's Father's Day and I don't want to pick on you. It's what pastors do. But I think sometimes guys have the idea, oh, you know what, find the right, find the right person, boom. There we go. We're off to the races. No, no. If you want to have a successful relationship, you've got to play the long game. Because that's, that's not the kind of thing that's instant. How about health? <laughs> you know, if you want to be healthy, you, you can't take a pill and working out one time, even, you know, the, the Americans, sometimes they think if they buy a membership to a health club, <laughs> boom, I'm going to be healthy. You know, I know that so many of you are medical and, and uh, physical fitness experts. I mean, you know, we a lot of doctors here, here's what you guys could all tell us. You could tell us that if you want to be healthy, you got to play the long game. You know why most diets don't work? I mean, a lot of, you know, a lot of people like they're trying to lose 10 pounds to get in the swimsuit this summer. You know, the problem with that approach is as soon as you lose those 10 pounds, like, okay, I can return back to life. And then we gain more than the 10 pounds we lost, right? I I know I've lost 2000 pounds in my life. I understand. You got to play the long game. It's a battle, which by the way, as soon as the series is over, we're doing worlds of warfare three, the weapons that starts in just a few weeks. Okay, I promised you the solution. This is about to get huge. Now we're going to talk about the two natures in the context of what we read in Galatians 6. Whatever you plant is what you will harvest. Now, we're an agricultural state. No, Wichita's not an agricultural city, but we're an agricultural state. We understand that farmers play the long game. They understand when they put the seed in the ground, it's not going to come up in three minutes. It, they're playing the long game. So now that's, that's where we are. We're in the context of farming. Whatever you plant is what you'll harvest. Ready? Heads up. If you plant in the soil of your corrupt nature, you will harvest destruction. And you know, the you there, you know, it's talking to Christians. It's talking to Christ followers, people that are alive spiritually. And, and the Bible says, if you, if, if I, if we plant in the soil of our old nature, the Adamic nature, we will get destruction. You know, this is very practical because here's the thing. There are those who could listen to this message. You can say, Mark, it's true. I was a Christ follower. I married a lady who's a Christ follower, but I just planted seeds to my old nature and I reaped destruction. It, 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 it broke my marriage up. It's just a principle that works. I was listening to a speaker talk about sowing and reaping. He said, you cannot stop the law of sowing and reaping. He said it would be easier to set on the sun to try to keep it from coming up. If you plant in the soil of your corrupt nature, you will harvest destruction. But if you plant in the soil of your spiritual nature, you will harvest destruction. This is a good word, but I think it's even there's a more accurate word. It says you'll harvest everlasting life, but what it means is you will harvest perpetual life. In other words, you will harvest success in this life that will continue to unwind even in eternity. That's really great. It's above my pay grade, as President Obama said, but I promise you, it's good. It's good. So if you want to win in your spiritual life, you have to think of terms. You have to think of it in terms of seed and harvest. This is big. This is so big. Please listen to me. Your harvest today, what's going on in your life right now, today's harvest is the result of yesterday's seed. See, so oftentimes we want to ignore the seed we're putting in the ground, and when things go wrong, we're like, I don't know what happened. I could. (laughs) Listen. Your harvest today, and and it may be a very good harvest. You may be in a very good season in your life, and if you are, it's the blessings of God. But at some point back there, you started dropping good seeds in your spiritual person. See, here's the thing: some of us are are really we're very serious Christ followers, and because we've dropped some seeds in the old nature. What's going on right now, if we don't interpret it correctly, we could interpret it very wrong. Let me see if I can explain this. In the years when I used to counsel, there would be something like this. There would be a, probably, probably a lady that would call first, call the office say, can I get in and talk to Pastor Mark? Um, our marriage is about to end. I'd just like to come in and talk to Pastor Mark. So we'd set up an appointment. And she'd come in. She'd tell me the story. And I would think, this is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful lady. My goodness, she must be married to the jerk of all time uh, to have problems because she's just awesome. Great lady. So, and then I would say, well, um, will your husband come in and see me? Well, I don't know. I'll ask him. So sure enough, I get a call from the husband. Can I come in and see you too? So I'm like, okay, I'm about to meet the worst guy in the world. He came in and sat in my office and he would tell me, he'd introduce himself to me. And you know, here's the weird thing, New Spring, please. Because I had this happen so many, many, many times. Both people would tell me they married the wrong person. And I would look at these two people and think, these are two of the finest people I ever met in my life. I would leave my kids with them. They didn't marry a bad person. They were having a bad harvest. They were good people. They were having a bad harvest. And if I, ever, I, if I could ever get them to see that, because this is a biblical principle, if I could ever get to, I, I watched as time after time God took marriages that were on the precipice and turned them into extraordinary marriages. It's been so many years ago. I remember one particular couple, they, they moved to Texas many years ago. Both successful business people. They came in my office. They, were, they, they both were at the same time. They sat on opposite ends of the couch. They would not look at each other. They, 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 it was poison. And I shared this with them because I recognized they were both wonderful people. I shared this with them. I said, you're not bad people. You're having a bad harvest. And they, and it's like they just started listening to some sermons I brought on marriage and family. This has probably been 20 years ago. And we used to have steps right here. And, and I remember I was closing out of service and I looked at them. They weren't kneeling at the altar. I've never seen this happen before. It's a middle-aged, successful professional couple. They were lying in each other's arms on the steps to the altar because they got this and they saw that they weren't bad people. They didn't marry a bad person. They were just having a bad harvest. Oh, that we could get this today. This is so huge. Today's harvest is the result of yesterday's seed. Tomorrow's harvest will be the result of today's seed. Now, for all of us who get this and rush out to restart, we have to, this is, please, 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 if I ever had your attention, could I have it right now? Because this is so important. We have to be prepared to plant tomorrow's seed while living in the harvest of yesterday. See, that's why a lot of Christians give up because they're like, well, okay, I'm going to start doing the right thing, but they're still living in yesterday's harvest. That's where faith comes in. Faith says, you know what? I'm I'm still in the pain of yesterday's harvest, but by faith, I'm going to stop dropping bad seed in the ground and start dropping good, I'm going to drop spiritual seed. And that's why the Bible says in this same chapter, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Don't give up. Okay? Here we go. Close of this message. Every morning, I have my seeds. Now, remember, you're going to be planting today's seeds for tomorrow's harvest in the ground of yesterday. So, what are my seeds? Remember this verse? I told you we'd come back to it. The spiritual nature produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Gentleness, self-control. Those are your seed packets. You get up in the morning, gonna plant these seeds. There's the soil. It's my life, it's my family, it's my marriage, it's my relationship, it's my work situation, it's my it's my educational situation. Those that's your soil. And you're gonna take those spiritual seeds. And this is the old language says sow to the spirit. And we're gonna do that. So here are our seeds. Let's talk about them. Love. Oh, I hear a guy say, man, I got this down, Mark. I'm a lover. You might want the biblical definition there. <laughs> Sport before you take off there. Love means sacrificial commitment. And you know what? Here's the thing. Husbands, you could be having a bad harvest in your marriage. And you know, you could still be having the problems. But you know, you decide, you know what I'm going to do today by faith? I'm going to plant the seed of love in my marriage. I'm going to be sacri- going. You say, well, I will when she deserves it. That's never love. That's just a trade. Hello? Love is never deserved. Love. Joy. What's joy? Oh, this is big. Joy is the sense that I'm going to be okay because of God's promises. How many of us get into all kinds of trouble because we fear that we're not going to be okay? Okay. We're not going to come out on top. We're going to fail. People aren't going to like us. And then all kinds of insecurities develop. I mean, the thing of it is, when you get up with your bag of seeds tomorrow morning, you're going to have a lot of stuff that goes wrong. It happens in every one of our lives. But joy says, you know what? 10,000 things can be going wrong today, but I'm going to be okay. I'm going to come out all right. I'm not worried. I'm, I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loves me, and I'm going to drop some seed of joy in the ground because you cannot take my joy away from you. Listen, letting anybody take your joy away from you is way too much power to give to somebody else. Peace. Peace is turning down the emotional thermostat. Oh, have you noticed, like I've noticed on social media, that the emotional thermostat gets turned up to extreme? I mean, it's like, it's like you go from comment to extreme. Peacemakers turn down the emotional thermostat. Oh, I'm I'm out of time. Can I just teach one thing? Here's the thing I've watched through the years. When you're getting into a situation with a potential conflict with someone, there is always a moment in that trajectory or that narrative where you have an opportunity to turn the thermostat down, and we all know that. There is a moment, and a lot of times we don't take that moment because that person doesn't deserve, and they're, they're ratcheting it up, and in, in, in our pride is what won't allow us to take a step backward, but hey, pride's a killer. It's that regurgitation of the flesh, there's that peacemaker person that just drops a, soil, a seed of peacemaker, you know, in the ground. Peace. Patience. <laughs> that's a little bit more expensive seed. <laughs> gotta, that's one of those seeds that's going to take a lot of soil work. <laughs> and by the way, patience is tougher than it sounds. Because a lot of you will have the older translation that says "long suffering," <laughs> and there was a lady who just said, "Oh, you're talking about my marriage." <laughs> Isn't it true that some people are hard to put up with? But you know what? Here's the thing: we don't have to let we don't have to let them draw us into that. We can just say, you know, this person's not the easiest person to put up with, but I'm, by faith, I'm going to drop a seed of patience and long suffering in the ground, kindness. Hey, kindness is the least expensive seed. that will grow anywhere. I always wonder why people are unkind. Don't you? You ever like go somewhere and you're like, someone's just unkind. And maybe someone you're doing business with or something. You're like, don't you understand that it doesn't take any more energy to be kind than it does to be unkind? It doesn't take any more energy to scowl or to, to smile than it does to, to scowl. Kindness. just I mean, Trust me, that, that's an easy seed. And you just got to be intentional about it. Like, I'm going to be kind to everybody. And you got to know that the devil's going to say, okay, I heard her say that, so I'm going to put somebody in line when she drives through a Starbucks. <laughs> Goodness. Oh, this, I love this one. I want to talk about this more someday. Goodness means things that you admire. So here's the thing. If you admire something in somebody else, then you want that in your life. You th- Some of you have an aunt or a, a friend or a grandmother or a, a someone who, I mean, there are people here at New Spring I'm thinking of instantly. There are things about them I admire. Well, then plant that seed in your life. Faithfulness. That's acting out of conviction that something is right. That's that's a more expensive seed in 2021. Gentleness. That's mildness. Self-control. That is personal discipline. Now, I know this is a list, and sometimes we don't do well with lists, but never forget this. Whatever you plant is what you'll harvest. If you plant in the soil of your corrupt nature, you will harvest destruction. But if you plant in the soil of your spiritual nature, you will harvest perpetual life. Okay, can I have one more minute, please? 90 seconds. (laughs) I can't remember the service we were in, but people started yelling out. It was like an auction, you know, it's like going up. Thank you for that. Okay, I'm talking to somebody right now. And you're like, Mark, that sounds great. But my problem is I just cannot overcome my dark side. You know one of the reasons why we have so little success overcoming the dark side? We focus on that. If you want to know how to win, listen as we go back to the book of Galatians, because what we're about to hear is so huge. The Bible says, live your life as your spiritual nature directs you. Then you will never follow through on what your corrupt nature wants. See, the problem is, we're trying so hard to stop this, stop this, stop this. We're not doing the things that would be spiritually strong in our lives. And the Bible says, if you will drop spiritual seeds in your life, you'll overcome. Let me give you an this this works in life, you know it. If I said to you, I'm just like there's somebody here, and, and I'm kind of in that boat myself. I'm still dealing with some of the COVID weight gain and everything, so I'm trying to get in shape and have better nutrition. I know I got to play the long game to do that. Let me ask you the question: What's going to work better? If I'm going to focus on all the junk foods that I shouldn't eat and think about all the problems and how I keep failing and, or, or would it work better to just decide I'm going to systematically eat the right thing and exercise every day and if I play the long game? Here's the thing. Let me, let, let me take that statement that you just saw. So do your spiritual nature and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let's take it and put it with physical fitness because that way you'll know it's true. You eat the right thing consistently exercise, and you'll never be a slob in a couch potato. We know that instantly. The Bible is saying that's how the spiritual life works. You want to string some W's together? You got to plant good seed in your spiritual soil, remembering that you've got to plant for tomorrow's harvest today in the, in the ground of yesterday, and watch the W's